Good evening, everybody. For those who've never been in Brazil, the weather over there is more or less like this. <laughs> Sunday after Sunday. <laughs> if you're from the northeast of Brazil, even the winter time is like this. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. 30 degrees. Uh, tonight, we are going to speak about the church in Pergamon. It is the third church. The first, the first church was Ephesus last week. Pastor Scott preached about uh, Smyrna, and today is Pergamon. Next week is Thyatira. So stay together. It's, God has a lot to reveal to us, and I pray that today the, the letter that Jesus sent to the church in Pergamon, it was a blessing for them in that time. It will, it will be a blessing for us today in the name of Jesus Christ because the Word of God is alive. Amen? Amen? The Word of God is alive. So let's pray before I start. Uh, the seven letters have something in common. In both of the letters, in the end of the letter, Jesus said, whoever who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. So I'd like to invite you, close your eyes just for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I want to hear you. I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. Do whatever you want to do in my heart. Change my life. Speak to me. I open my, my eyes. I open my heart. I open my mind to receive what you want to speak to me in the name of Jesus Christ. Cover this place with your precious blood, Lord. Don't let the, the hot weather be a problem. Let us enjoy this hot day. We always complain about the cold weather in London. Today, let us celebrate this hot Sunday that you prepare for us in the name of Jesus Christ. I consecrate this time for you. Use me as you will in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but every time I read the Bible, I always try to, to imagine what was happening that time who received the letter, who wrote the letter, always try to figure out what's, ha what's happening. I don't know about you, but can you imagine uh, two, 2,000 years ago, a church in a place named Pergamon in Asia, they received a letter. In that time, there was no WhatsApp. That time, there was no emails, no Instagram, no Messenger, no Telegram, uh, no Royal Mail. So when someone received a letter, normally it was a kind of pergamine, and there was a messenger. So can you imagine that church that was facing a lot of difficulties, a lot of problems, one of his, his members had been executed because they, he kept his faith in Jesus, a, name, a guy named Antipas. Antipas, he, 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 he didn't deny Jesus, and they were killed. And then this church received a letter. A letter not from Paul, a letter not from Peter, a letter from Jesus. Can you imagine? A letter from Jesus. It is what's happening today. We are going to read a letter that Jesus sent to a church named Pergamon. And Jesus started the church, the, 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 the letter like this. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamon, write... These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, 
even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who had put to death in your seat, where Satan lives. <laughs> Pergamon was a very important seat in that time. Uh, every time I, I watch videos about the church in Pergamon, normally the preacher spent a lot of time explaining how important Pergamon was. A very important, very sophisticated, a center of culture, a center of uh, science. They had a big library, the second, second biggest library in the world. Over 200,000 books they had in that time. Uh, very important, a center of medicine, very high, over 1,000 feet high. So it was a kind of natural fortress. Very, very important seat. Then I watched many videos. They, Spend a lot of time saying how beautiful Pergamon was. But this very important city, Jesus named this city like the city where the throne of Satan is. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Satan lives in that city. It's the first thing I want to call your attention, Fred. There are a lot of things that is very important before people's eyes. But what really matters, what is important before God's eyes. There is a passage in the Bible I love. It is Luke chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, what is elevated before men is abomination before God. Some things that we give a lot of importance. Some things like we give a lot of, uh, you, know, you know where I live? I live in Pergamon. You know, I'm Brazilian. When I'm Brazilian, I say... I don't live in Brazil, I live in London. Oh, did you? Yes, I live in London. So I'm not comparing London with Pergamon, not at all. But I know what is to live in a city like London. Everybody wants to live in London. Everybody wants to know London. At least everybody I know. Some people don't like London. I love London. I don't know about you. I love this city. So I, most of the people that I know, they love uh, London because it's an amazing city. So can you imagine that, that church was in Pergamon. Very, very important city that time. But Jesus says... For then, well, verse, verse, verse uh, 14. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. So maybe Pergamon was very important for many people. But for Jesus, that's it. Was the place where Satan has his throne. And the letter wasn't for the city. The letter was for the church in the city. Jesus wasn't concerned about the city. Jesus was concerned about the people in that city. Understand what, please understand what I'm trying to say. That people, that was a big challenge for them to be Christian in that city. It wasn't for no reason that Jesus said that city was the, the city where Satan lives. Because there was a lot of crazy things happening. There was a lot of pagan worship, a lot of occultism. There was a place where there were different altars to, to worship different gods. The place where they worshipped different idols. The, there was a cult for, there was a service, a kind of service for, for the Roman emperor. So there was a mix of everything that place. To be a believer in that place was a big challenge. So one guy was killed, Antipas. The, the pronunciation is right, Antipas, 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 whatever. So, you know, he was killed. Because he didn't deny his faith. A few minutes ago, we were praying for the young people, youth people. To be a youth in a, city, a big city like London, I think it's a big challenge. 
to keep your integrity, to keep your holiness, to keep your life with Jesus in a seat with a lot of opportunity, different opportunities, it would be a big challenge to live in that place, as it is a big challenge to live in any city in these days. But I don't want to make a Pergamon a point. What I want to make a real point tonight is the warning that Jesus sent for the church in Pergamon. Jesus knew all the hardships. Jesus knew that place wasn't easy. But Jesus sent a specific message for them. Verse 14. Please read with me verse 14. Nevertheless, even if you live in a place where has the throne of Satan, where Satan lives, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Friends, what was happening in that city with that people? Is that something that very easily can happen with us? What was the teaching of Balaam? You need to go back to the Old Testament in Numbers. We, don't, we are not going to do this, don't worry. You go back to Numbers chapter 22, 23, 24, 25, and 31, and then we see what, who was this Balaam. Balaam was a kind of prophet. And the Balak, Balak was a king of the Moabites, and then Balak wants to curse the people of God. They want to, they, he tried to hire Balaam, Balaam the prophet, Balak the king, send a messenger for Balaam, and say to him, I will pay a lot of money. Come, I will show a people. I want to curse these people. I want you to cur please curse these people because I'm scared about these people. And then Balaam was a kind of prophet, uh, but he was with his eye in the money and say, oh, I cannot say anything, just what God put in my heart, okay? I cannot say anything. I can try. Stay here. I will ask God, and God say to him, don't go. Please, at home, read chapter 22, 23, and 24 of Numbers. It's everything there. So I will pray, and God say to him, don't go with them. Don't curse. Don't curse those, those I, I never curse. The, the people of Israel is a, is a blessed people. But, okay, you don't want the money, we go. So the king, Balak, sent again another messenger with more money. And then Balak, Balaam, say, okay, I will go. He had the experience with a donkey we speak, speak with him. Very funny story. Read it. I tell you, you are going to, to, to enjoy this reading of chapter 22, 23, 24 of Numbers. So the point was, Balaam, he tried three times. Three times he saw the people of God and he did the altar and say, I bless these people. <laughs> I, I bless these people again. And three times he tried to curse. Three times he had to bless. Because no one can curse the one who is blessed by God. You know, you are blessed by God. And even if people is involved with black magic, you know, in Brazil we have macumba. Uh, so, you know, macumba is uh, this kind of things. If you, if, you, if you mess with this kind of people, oh, I will put your name in the, in the mouth of a frog. I put your name in the cemetery, blah, 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 blah. They can do whatever you want to do. I am covered. You are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a true, my friend. It is true. 
I had, listen to me, I had a, a neighbor. He started to get involved with black magic. And then he wanted to get higher and higher and higher and higher with this kind of occult and Satanism and uh, a lot of things. Uh, Brazilian stuff sometimes is very heavy. So one day, a black kid, magic guy said to him, you need to do a special ceremony. You need to go to a cemetery. You need to violate some tomb and get some human bones to do a kind of, uh, this kind of macumba stuff like that. You know the word macumba. It is like a, you know, a special voodoo stuff like that. So he went to the cemetery Friday evening. And then he tried to go to the, the, the place to remove a bone. And the spirit told to him, don't, don't, don't touch in this bone. Don't go to this tomb. tomb. Don't go to this place. No, no, no. Get another one. And then he got confused. Why? Because this bone become, be, be, belongs to the man of white. And then he went, like, man of white? Who is the man of, this man of white? Then he discovered later that the man of white was Jesus. You know? So he got confused and he started to say, well, I got involved with this kind of spiritism, macumba, stuff like that, because I want power. But there is someone that even the bones of his followers I cannot touch. If I cannot touch in the bones, it means there is someone bigger and more powerful than the one I'm trying to get involved. You, are you following me? So this guy, he started he start to realize that there is someone that's bigger. There is someone that is more powerful. There is someone, and guess what? He, he gave his life to Jesus. He became a pastor. You know, God changed his life completely. Because he realized that the enemy cannot touch a man or woman of God in the name of Jesus. The enemy cannot enter in the front door. But the enemy is very clever. The enemy don't give up easily. There are a lot of Christians, they give up so easily. They try once, twice, three times. I'm tired. There's no point to go to church. Nothing changed in my life. The enemy is not like this. He tried one way, he tried another way. He tried, tried, and he never gave up. Even though he knows he's a failure, he's defeat, he's under our feet, he always tried. So as the prophet won the money from ba Balak, he said, I cannot curse you, see? You did the altar, I tried to curse, and I just blessing flew out of, flew out of my mouth. I couldn't curse. And then Balaam, wanting the money, say, I will give some advice for you, Balak. In the law of God, in the word of God, there is a specific direction for the people of God. They cannot get involved with people from different nations. God told them, do not get involved with the, 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 the women from the Moabites. And then when we read Numbers chapter 25, what's happened? They start to date. The Israelite, the, the, the Israel's men start to date the Moabites. They fell in love. Probably the Moabites would be beautiful lakes. They fell in love. They start to date that lakes. And very few times, they were worshiping the gods of the Moabites. And came a plague. 24,000 of them died with that plague. 
So it was the teaching of the Balaam. If the enemy cannot enter the front door, the enemy always try to undermine you. Always trying to compromise your walk with God. Always trying to make you disobey God somehow. Open little doors. That little doors become little cracks. And then the enemy gets in. And then it's very difficult for you to make him get out. But today God brought you to this church to hear this word. Do not tolerate the spirit, the teaching of Balaam in the name of Jesus Christ. Do not tolerate. You need to take some position sometimes in your life, my friend. You come to the church Sunday after Sunday, and God speaks to you. Sometimes it's just blessing. Sometimes it's promise. Sometimes it's words of affirmation. But sometimes God says to you, you have among yourselves someone who holds the teaching of Balaam, and you need to repent. You need to take it out of your life. And tonight, the Holy Spirit brought me here today to say to you, to explain more or less. I know many of you are very familiarized with this word, this kind of teaching. But some of you, maybe it's the first time you are listening about the teaching of Balaam. Could be many things today. Today you would say to me, okay, Marcelo, 2,000 years ago, the teaching of Balaam was that. What the cheating of Balaam is today? Deception. False teaching. The enemy trying to find space. Seductions. Distraction. Division. Lack of forgiveness. Small space that enemy try to put things in your life. I cannot. I'm not a pastor. I, I, I hear this a lot when you try to teach someone. I better not to pass. I cannot do the thing. No, no, it's not a, a word for... To put the word into practice is not a, a thing that just pastors have to do, everybody. Because I want you to please God. How many of you want to please God? I want you to please God. Jesus saying to the church, repent. Again, I say to you, repent means change your mind. Change your attitude. Change what we need to change. You need to change. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? What kind of religion, what kind of spiritual life is it? Oh, Lord, 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 I love you, Lord. We sing, we pray, we say beautiful things. But it's like it's just for here. When I go out, there is no application in my real life. It's a big mistake. It's a kind of Balaam teaching. And say to you, ah, no, you can open the literal concessions here, literal concessions there. You don't, you don't need to be so strict like this. But again, my friend, the word of God, James chapter 1, verse 22, the word of God says, do not merrily listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Friends, listen very, very carefully. If I'm just a listening, just a listening, do not listen to the word of God. I sit, I list, I clap, I say amen, but I go home. Do not put to practice. I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving myself. We need to put the word of God into practice in our life. I'm not telling you what you do, what don't do. What I'm trying to say to you is something that God's put in your heart. 
some things that you don't do. Don't do. You know, I had, in the past, I had problem with alcohol. And then I was always playing. No, 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 no. And the Bible says, the Bible didn't say that I cannot drink. The Bible said I cannot get drunk. Okay? Make it very clear. But for a long time in my life, I had, I had no self-control to drink just a little. I need to realize, I need to be honest with me. Don't play with alcohol. It, I, I'm talking about myself, okay? Don't play with alcohol because always alcohol was the door for all the drugs. You know, always start with a very innocent, innocent glass of wine. Oh, it's a beer, very hot. Okay, if you had the structure, if you have, if you are strong enough, you, if you have, uh, you know, self-control enough, it's okay. But sometimes, some people need to realize I cannot have even uh, chocolate with liquor. <laughs> I cannot have. A, it's better for you. Just stop. There is a passage that helped me a lot. First Corinthians six. Verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I can do anything, but I need to be clever enough. I can do, but it's not good for me, so why are not, you're not doing this? Your pastor don't, don't allow that. No, it's not the pastor. It's my relationship between me and God, and God told me, stop it. If you have no spiritual strength enough to be salt, to be light, wherever you go, it's better for you to be careful where you are going lately. It is a big word. When you are married, I'm married, I'm 52. I, I don't go clubbing. I don't go pub. I, you know, I, I go to the Tesco. I go to Tesco, Lido, I buy things, I cook at my home, I do everything at home, sometimes I go out. You know, but I, I, think, I think a lot about the young people, the, the, the single people, who want to enjoy people, want to enjoy life, want to meet people outside. Sometimes you've got good people, that good influence in your life. Sometimes it's the opposite. And I need to have discernment. I need to tell to myself if I have enough strength to see things, and I will not be contaminated by that. Because I'm salt and light, I will be influenced. I will not be influenced by anyone. So it's the kind of things that uh, I need to think myself. I need to pray and, and ask God, what is good for me to do? What's not good for me to do? Because the, 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 the target of the enemy is to compromise your life. It is defy your life. It is to find a little crack, to find a little space. One concession here, another concession there. And we live in a time that, for the sake of political correctness, we need sometimes to open concessions. We live in a place, in, in a time that is very dangerous. We need to, to measure your words very carefully. Because if you say something, oh, you're intolerant. You are racist, you are this, you are that. No, 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 I'm not this. I, I'm just expressing my, 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 my opinion. We need to be very careful because you can offend people, but the fact is, God expecting us to take some positions. 
God is expecting us to be strong in our Christian life and say no for some things. Do not compromise. Do not open concessions and concessions. Friends, I'm Christian for 30 years. I'm so sad when I see people who start very well, very consecrated before the Lord, used by God. God did a lot of things. Then you see, through the years, it's a kind of, the people get to relaxing, 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 and then suddenly the enemy is doing whatever he wants to do. And we see a lot of people who start very well and finish very badly. The way you finish is more important than the way you start. Have it in mind. A lot of people start very, I want to read my Bible. Oh, I want to put this into practice. Oh, pastor, I, I read this. Oh, I want you to, to, to do this. Then, now we are a YouTube generation. You have a pastor, the church you come, but you have many different pastors. You receive here, receive there, and then we start to look at our convenience, and then we forget that sometimes God speaks to us things that we need to hear from him. Not just bless, not just, oh, you're beautiful. God has beautiful things for you. Sometimes God says to us, repent, you're wrong. You are opening doors. You are compromising your life. You need to, 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 to say no for some things. You need to stop some things. You need, you need to, to, to do something differently. Oh, what, now it's too late. No, never it's too late. Again, I tell you, more important is how you finish than how you start. Maybe you start to well, become a mess. Then you say, now it's too late. No, no, it never is too late for God. You can put your life right before God in the name of Jesus Christ. I know, friends, it's very difficult to say things like this because we live in a very difficult time. Depending on what you say, you, you feel the, 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 the weight. Not the weight of glory, the weight of, oh, here we go, repent. Repent again. Yeah, repent. Because our God is our Father. And our Father don't say just what we want to hear from Him. He wants what we need to hear from Him. And sometimes the word is, be careful. Be careful. The concessions. Be careful with the, the doors you are open. It's not the pastor saying to you, do this, do that. No, 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 no. It's support. No, no. It's the whole between you and the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 119, don't worry, I will not read Psalm 119. Just two verses. Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. This word, purity, holiness, sanctification. <laughs> uh, friends, it's just the Holy Spirit to, to do this word. Verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I need to put my, God's word in my heart. I need to always look to my life, what I'm doing, how I'm living, and what the word of God expects of me. And let the word of God shape me. Because one day, Jesus, the one who has the double-edged sword, he came, he will come, and he will confront us with his, the word, with the sword that coming from his mouth. And we need to, to look to the word of God, not the text that we want. We cannot do 
in our Christian life, like when, when we go to the supermarket, we got a trolley, and then, ah, oh, can I have five bags of prosperity, please? <laughs> Joy, <laughs> three bags. <laughs> holiness, no, holiness, no, 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 I don't want you to talk about holiness today. <laughs> Let's go to the next. You know, sometimes we do like this in a Christian life. We select what we want from God. But God, He's our Father. He knows what we need to hear from Him. And holiness, sanctification, purity is still in God's heart. He never changed. He's still waiting, wanting this from me and from you that I can be separate from Him. Because as much as I separate my life to God, as much revelation, power, uh, you know, intimacy. Intimacy with God generates, breeds authority. And the enemy wants, make, wants to make our spiritual life to become some kind of superficial things. Because when my, 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 my walking with God is superficial, I, I'm a, a church member. I attend the church. I give my tithes. But it has no authority, no power, no anointing. Because there is no purity, no sanctification. The enemy found a space to undermine in the name of Jesus Christ, friends, it's the time to hear what the Spirit is saying to your heart, to put right what's needs to put right in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not a word of accusation. Don't think it's a legalism. Don't think it is like, oh, the, oh, Marcel is normally, he's more nice. Today he's a little bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> I need to be faithful to the Word of God. I need to be faithful with the message that I read this in this passage that we just read. We need to take the word into practice in our life. You know, friends, uh, I think one of the most famous words in the, in the Bible, among many people, that, that kind of verse in the Bible that a lot of people want to, to put in the fridge, in the, in the diary, it is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, because the Lord, the, your God, will be with you wherever you go. I know a lot of people, if you ask, what is your favorite passage in the Bible? Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Be courageous. God will be with you. But if we you, if you, we read verse 6, 7, 8, what the Word of God say? The Word of God says, verse 7, be strong and very courageous. To obey my word. To put into practice the word of God. And I ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to help me. Wherever you live, if you live in London, Pergamon, wherever. To be courageous. The pronunciation is terrible, isn't it? Courageous. <laughs> help me, Scott, please. Courageous. Sorry, guys. But you're getting this. You know? We need to be courageous, not to be a conqueror. Take whatever the enemy stole from. We need to be courageous to put the word of God into practice in our life. In the past, my friend, many, many years ago, I was so concerned about what other people would think if they discover that I became a Christian. I was a kind of secret agent of God. You know? I was a secret agent. I, will, I had a motorbike. I had a jacket, I put my Bible, very small one, beside on my jacket, take my motorbike, went to the church, 
I cried, my friend. From the moment I put the, my feet in the church, then the moment I left, I would cry because the Holy Spirit speaks to me powerfully. But when, when I came back to my neighborhood and I met my friends in the bars, in the pubs, in the place where normally we used to gather, I was 22 at that time, people, oh, where, where have you been, Marcelo? I was, in a house, I was visiting some friends. I was in line with some friends, but I never told them which kind of friend then. Then one day, I went to this bar, I, I got a, a Fanta to drink and a sandwich. Then one lady, very crazy lady, looked to me, what do you drink? I drink Fanta. What's wrong with you? And I to her, I wasn't very polite, you know. And I, oh, are you paying my bill? You have a problem? I, I, I drink whatever I want you to drink. I'm paying my bill. What's your problem? You never drank soft the drink before. Ah, maybe it's true. I heard that you now you are a believer. You're going to a church in south of Sao Paulo. Ah, <laughs> you are going to the church. Believer, believer, believer. Friends, that day, I think I got a kind of spiritual boldness with mixed with my lack of uh, politeness. And I looked to her and said to her, so, what's the problem, lady? What's the problem? It's my life. I was destroyed by drugs, by violence. You never helped me to do anything. Now Jesus is restoring my life and I need to give you success. I need to explain to you why I'm with God. Friends, I tell you, sometimes you need to be bold to take some position. You are dating someone. Ah, you need to give a proof that you love me. And you know what the proof is. And you need to be bold enough to say, I love you. If you want to believe me, you believe me. If you want to compromise my love with Jesus, get out of my sight in the name of Jesus Christ. But, you know, it's a kind of subject very delicate to say in the church. Sex before marriage. <laughs> I'm not going down that, don't worry. You know? But sometimes you need to take a position. And you need to be bold just to obey the word of God. Verse uh, 16. Revelation 2.16, repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against the sword of my mouth. Verse 17, he who has here, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it. No, only to him who receives it. Friends, my conclusion is sometimes the enemy wants to send a message to you. If you want to put the word of God into practice fully, if you want to be a real man or woman of God, you will be in trouble because we live in a place, uh, not just London, everywhere. Everywhere, if you say that you don't lie because you're Christian, everybody's lying. But my mother always told me, you are not everybody, Marcelo. Mom, everybody's going to depart. Well, yeah, but you're not everybody, Marcelo. Everybody goes, you stay. So we need to remember, you are not everybody. If everybody's doing wrong, I am a man of God. I want you to do right. I know it looks like very legalistic, but it is not. 
Is there a reason that you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit speak to me? No, but if you don't play the game, you, 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 the doors will not open for you. If you don't do what everybody does, uh, you, you'll be in trouble. Oh, no, no. Uh, there is a promise here. For those, verse 17, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. And the Holy Spirit told me the hidden manna is the supernatural provision that God has prepared for those who are bold enough to be faithful to God. Even when everybody is not being faithful, remember, you are salt and light. God called you to make a difference for this generation. God called you to be different, not in your clothes only, not in your vocabulary only, but in the way you live. Dare to be different. Believe in God. God, disobedience for you to submit myself for what you are putting in my heart, you be a high cost for, my, for me. And the enemy wants to tell you that you'll be in trouble. But the word of God to you is, I had, I have the hidden, the hidden manna for you. The supernatural provision that God has prepared for those who are faithful to him. Don't be afraid to be faithful to God. He always honor you, always will honor you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I finish. I'm finishing. Asking you to close your eyes again. And ask the Holy Spirit. Because we could say a lot of things. But ask the Holy Spirit to, for him to reveal to you the things that he wants from you. The things that uh, many times you come to church and God used different people to say to you the same thing. It's time. Stop to resist the Holy Spirit. Stop to think that uh, your prayer can be a substitute, 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 substitute for your obedience. Prayer cannot substitute obedience. A lot of people know already what God wants from him. But I, I will pray. God look to you. It's not a matter to pray. It's a matter to obey. You're praying for something that God already told you. Do what the Holy Spirit told you. Obey him. Don't be afraid. Ask God. God give me spirit of boldness. Because when I take some position, when I take some decision in my life, People very close to you say, why are you doing this? Because God spoke to me. Oh, you are a fanatical. No, I'm not a fanatical. I just, I just want to take the word of God serious. I just want to be a real Christian. I don't want to play games anymore. I want to honor God. Not just with what I sing, but with my life. With my obedience. Submitting myself to him. Accepting his word for my life. And let him be. The God of my life. I submit to him. He's not just my savior. He's my Lord. He is my king, my Lord. Yes, my Lord. I will obey you. If there are some relationships, if there are some things in your life, you know you need to change. Ask God. God, help me to obey you. It's the reason this church 
we believe in the Holy Spirit. We pray in tongues. We ask the Holy Spirit, help me, Lord, because sometimes it's not a matter just to know. It's a matter to put it to practice. And we need the Holy Spirit more than ever in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you powerfully. God bless your life. Honor Jesus with your life, with your obedience in the name of Jesus.